Welcome, Groove Cats, Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds. You're uh, sitting here behind the scenes of the Cool Dogs and Hip Cats. You know, uh, some of you are on that Java, and some of you are hopped up on all that uh, Mary Jane. And some of you uh, might be taking a little trip with Lucy in the sky. Diamond. You know what I mean? It's uh, time to expand your consciousness. Here with old blue eyes, and his eyes are dilated. My eyes are purple today. I can see the beginnings of the universe, and I see OJ looking scared. And I see a very long haired weirdo. Standing very nonchalant, kind of like a roadie, but not looking at photographs. And Calco's here, and he's, you know, got a giant beard. Puerto Rican barbia. I don't know what it is, it's very strong. And, uh, oh, blue eyes took himself down to the coffee shop. And he saw a man who thought he was a tool for a surveyor, a black man with a marble in his eye. And he was clicking at nothing. He was homeless without feces on the outside of his pants. But old blue eyes was still spinning from the busty Latin woman that was inside. As was I. <laughs> she had peeled off her jacket so she could pick up her grande double whip, dopio, or Oreo double espresso. And Sean said, Look at that. But he wasn't talking about the foo foo coffee drink on the stand. You had to know him to see it. Calco still looks like he's trying to put something up. I don't know what he's doing. Started out with a banner and now he's got a giant card. It's not gonna stay like that without a stand, Calco. You can't defy gravity. And we saw the scat man. Doobie doobie doobie. Whatever he does. There you go. Estevan Oreo was. Walking around with a mean looking knife. Showing us how he could cut a guy from neck to nuts. And that's why he's known Calco as Old Blue Eyes. Ah, yes. Jambalushi eyes. Hands behind the back. That's how you stand whenever you look at photographs. You must always stand with hands behind the back. Hands in front, and then you get a pound from a crazy ass man. <laughs> hey man, hey, hey, hey man, hey, hey brother, hey. hey my friend, hey Mr. Jesus, Jesus, Santa Ana, Jesus, come sit on the couch for a second. Hey, uh, Calco, 
Can you get uh, Santa Ana Genus a mic yeah. and a, uh, the headphones? Oh, yeah. Because this is our first mystery guest. Yeah. 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 Look, here, I'll yeah. help you out. Help yeah. him. As I stare at the 57 Chevy lowered backing up. This is a heavy scene if you've ever seen. Esteban Oriol's got a mystery bag. He's got cameras inside of it that tell stories. Each camera has a soul. Um, Calco, put your headphones on, Calco, so you can kind of hear. He wanted to talk to Esteban, now he missed his chance. <laughs> he wanted to say hello, but he missed his chance. So politely he sat, <laughs> like a cat with nine lives. <laughs> uh, he's got to get his uh, quaffed hair right. Hello, my man. Welcome to. Oh, I know. I'm going to know him. Look at those eyes. His crazy eyes. <laughs> He's got, look at those eyes. Did you really? Singapore, Japan. I'm translating. Taipan and Vietnam. Uh, Me- no, Vietnam. Mexico. Vietnamese were in Sim- That's Singapore. Right. That's in right. That's right. All Hey, will you tell us the truth even though he's standing right there and can hear you? Of course. <laughs> Did he already show you that knife? Did he already show you the knife? Which knife? <laughs> show him the Which knife? Show him. That's what's... Don't play games, my friend. <laughs> He'll cut that hair. Anyway, what's your... So, so I saw you... I saw uh, Sir... If you can, what is your name? Welcome to the salon. Welcome to the Santa Ana Jazz Salon. All right. From this area. All right. All right. Listen, uh, right now we're trying to expand our consciousness. That was Estevan Oriol, the great Estevan Oriol, the man who taught John Muir. How to do black and white photographs. Everybody knows it. Stop lying. She said, and what is your name, my friend? Uh, Alex. 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 And uh, you traveled around with Estevan. He said you went to all kinds of places. I do video work. So I traveled with Estevan for a little while. He brought me on to some interesting Oh, projects, yeah, yeah oh, a yeah. lot of fun. He told me you have carte blanche to talk. I don't want you to be political, Alex. Don't do it. Carte blanche? What do you mean, par- carte blanche? I'm not sh- familiar with that terminology. Excellent. Well, let me elucidate my cool, groovy cat. Carte blanche means white card, which is. You in got the, a full pass. Well, hold on, bro. Can I just Come on, history? man. Just get to the thing. All right. But it basically. Jesus Christ. The old French, medieval French bureaucracy, if you had a carte blanche and you could cut through the red tape, you had a free pass. So you have a free pass. He said you can say whatever you want. Hmm. He doesn't believe it. You hear that? <laughs> no, <laughs> he was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still trying to travel with Esteban on the video. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds good. I've seen some interesting things. Boy, 
So, first and foremost, look at <laughs> what. First of all, video for what? What are you doing? Are you like capturing behind the scenes? What are you doing? Uh, we were doing a lot of uh, recording the like underbellies of certain cultures and seeing how Los Angeles actually affected cultures all around the world. All right. Like, uh, mostly like lowrider and Chicano style. Underbellies. And let me ask you this first. Let's just get right down to it. What country or what place besides L.A., don't blow up L.A. And, and Santa Ana, we already know it's the best, blah, blah, blah. What internationally has the best underbelly? Where? Uh, I, I don't really think that that's something that you could quantify in saying, like, the best. I guess each country has their own spice. Uh, Listen, like, that's true, but like, nobody's going to a Russian restaurant. Nobody's, I mean, there's some things that, I'm asking you, yeah. Mr. Alex Video Man, just personally. Of course, everyone's got their own. But for you, what was the most interesting? What's one that resonated with you, an underbelly that you wanted to really get under? Uh, I think it had to do with the Bozozokes in Japan. No kidding. Yeah, what the, is that? Explain that. Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds don't know. Uh, Bozozokes are like a motorcycle club in Japan that have very deep roots and uh, the culture out there and being like the Black Panthers here in the United States, the Bozozoke had a time and place in Japan protecting neighborhoods and like watching over their own. Mm -hmm. And I'm not exactly sure as to the current like all I know is that they have badass bikes. They got some sick ass bikes that I know for a fact the Japanese like the the culture there is anti you know um candy coat. Really? And seeing that out there like these guys that are just like so in love with the Chicano culture where they actually like low rider fi their motorcycles is right. just incredible. Anyway, I'm a little nervous, if you can't tell, so I don't usually, like, hear myself through uh, microphones and... Uh, well, what do you tell your <laughs> subjects when you're videoing them and they say to you, I'm a little nervous? Don't be. So, my friend, don't be. Yeah. Don't be. You're welcome to our show. So, let's get, back to, let's get back to the underbelly of Japan, the motorcycle club. So, what kind of bikes were they generally? Like, did they have American-style bikes, or were they... Japanese style? What did they were, they were a lot of Japanese style. I know that they do regard uh, Harley Davidson and tr like the OG, you know, yeah. American style motorcycles. They do highly revere those. But yeah. um, I think the ones that I saw in particular, it was almost like uh, like a, a mashup. It was just so bizarre. Like they had Hello Kitty candy coats on, on some of their bikes pinks, silvers, purples, you know, just stuff that would just, it was just such eye candy. And the way that they would ride them, they would modify these bikes so that they would make these incredible noises. Like what? It, like, it reminded me of like when you get like a can on your BMX bike and you stomp on it. Yeah. And then you let it ride and it sounds like a motorcycle. A lot of these bikes had their own unique style to them in terms of like their voice, the way that they purred. And, um, even up to color coordinated helmets, you know. I, we were just there filming. I was on the side of a van while they were going up and down this highway, and we were just driving. And 
I'm over there grabbing from the side, trying to get the lowest angle that I can with the right. with the gimbal and just shooting as much content as I can because I was like the eyes behind Esteban's eyes during those shoots. So I just had to make sure that everything that wasn't in his field of view I was capturing. Do you feel a sense of like either pressure or responsibility being the eyes behind Esteban's eyes? Uh, at the time, I didn't, uh, you know, when you're in flow state, you don't really think about it. It's not until afterwards, like you're sitting on a couch being asked these questions where you kind of realize like, oh, okay, there's actually gravity behind it. And obviously, like working with him, he's not just a photographer. He's a multifaceted human being that like no amount of books can describe the amount of, of things and just... He's an incredible human being. So it's just, How long? I, I don't want to, I could go on a long time just saying just uh, he, um, he's really opened my eyes to like the world and, and the art world. and just. How did you guys meet? Um, on and off. Uh, there had been a few times, like obviously I'm young, I'm 29 and he's a little older. He's just a little 39 older. yeah yeah just a little older <laughs> so he uh <laughs> he's 32 okay. i i had no, but how did you guys meet just how did you meet i had interviewed him on a on a random job um when i was like i must have been like 19 i think i was like 19 and we went to his joker studios in in la and i went up there and filmed an interview with him and i had my e1 with me and we went outside we took some photos like filmed what was him the interview for like did you have a, was it for a magazine it was like for a mat i don't remember it was just vanity a fair it was i don't remember the time vanity life? Fair. no this is i don't remember do you smoke a lot of weed no i don't but i Ayahuasca? started to no 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 mushrooms um no, there's been a point in time in my life where uh, I was a bit of a psychonaut, but not... Psychonaut? Not really... Uh, Sean and I uh, have traveled aboard those space stations. <laughs> nice. Oh, Actually, yeah. We've gotten late, real weird. Lately, I've been um, practicing this stuff. It's, uh, it's called combo. What is so, it? I don't know if you ever heard of combo. It's a, no, the only combo I know is that... What is that? So it's There's a, a Let me describe poison. this. It's a um, poison? Listen, wait. Before we go, the, Alex is lifting up his shirt. His arms are ripped. It's scary. Calico had to move away. There's these um, round red spots on his arm in the shape of a diamond. Okay, combo. What is it? So it's a poison from an Amazonian dart frog. Nice. Yeah. So nice. It's not psychedelic. It's not But fun. what is it? It's not fun. So what it's, are you doing? It's fun. Like cheat, like, like just playing Russian roulette with a frog. What are you doing? Uh, what you're doing is you're you're putting your body into a, a point of high stress. You know, <laughs> and depending on where your mentality is, you might uh, think you're dying because right. So you are. Is, yeah, you are kind of dying. And if the shaman wasn't there to remove the poison, you would feel like that probably all day. But you go through an intense uh, purging. Uh, your body like throws everything up. What is it for? Like for purity stuff? Like are you trying to like detoxify? People use it for detox. People use it for. What did you use it for, Alex? I was trying to set better intentions for my life. Wow. Where do you go to get this? Uh, There are practicing shamans throughout. uh, There are some in the United States. 
uh, my homie and good friend Devajit uh, practices it uh, down, actually down the street. Um, and they go and get it from the elders out in the Amazon. They bring it back and they heal people here. So it's definitely not something at CVS. You got to fucking know. Hopefully one day, but at the same time, no, I don't hope because then you're trivializing, trivializing some, uh, an ancient form of medicine. That- how, wait, wait, how did you get introduced to this? Uh, yoga, Kundalini yoga. See, I always knew oh, it would shit. lead to something. Did you ever go to Rama? No, I haven't. No, 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 Rama. Did you ever uh, study with Radha Jahit? No, no. There, there is a Ram Das, not uh, Ram Das, uh, Richard Alpert, but there's mm-hmm. Ram Das down the street mm. who has a original Kundalini yoga class, and he actually, uh, from what I believe, studied under Ram Das. Ram Das studied under Ram Das. Yeah, so okay. it's it's like a name that's passed down. Got it. From my understanding, I might not be. So wait, so wait it. a second. So so you're over there doing the yoga, yes. doing yoga, right? Hey, what's happening? Lots of friends walking through. Okay, <clears throat> wait a second though. When you're doing the yoga, at what point though do you are talking to the guru or whoever, and they're like. Well, there is a way, my friend Alex, but you, you, you can't be fucking around. It's real serious shit. Like, did that, did that conversation where it's like, you, were you pushing? Were you asking? And they were like, there is door number three, Alex. I think it came to more of like a natural progression. You know, like you just kind of are learning about yourself. You're learning about human nature. You're learning about your mind. And then you just start to figure like, oh, what's going to... Uh, get me a little closer without just diving, you know, like taking a bunch of acid or something. I want to figure it out like through my own means. So that's where I was doing the Kundalini yoga. Right. And then the, that's where the frog poison, the frog poison came, came from my studies of, like you said, ayahuasca, DMT and some psilocybin. What was so. wrong with your intentions before? What was wrong? I mean, what was it that you wanted? Oh, let's take it from wrong. There's yeah. no right or wrong. Let's say unskillful. What was it that you wanted to change about the intentions? Um, I think just to open my eyes a little bit more and be more receptive as to the calls of the wind. Like instead of being hard rooted in like old behaviors, Mm. I wanted to spring and do a little bit more and act with better intentions because society nowadays rewards like materialism and Mm. money. And I want to like slow, I want to quickly but at least slowly start to erode those those holdings on on my brain you know like always thinking about money or thinking about like fear you know having fear like I anxiety to, anxiety anxiety i actually i am three almost a month sober from vaping okay. which i know vaping isn't like a big deal there's worse things to be addicted to i suppose but when i started vaping i was doing it in Five years straight, you know, right. five, six years straight. So let me ask you this. Okay. And I want you to be real because part of, part of being spiritual and flowing and listening to the call of the wind is having no pretension, no fear, no anxiety. And you're talking to a real American Indian enrolled in an actual tribe. And this flaky bullshit you see over in Santa Monica with people who claim to be part Cherokee. The real deal. Grew up on a reservation. All right. Now. 
when you finally get connected to the frog poison shaman, as you put it, and it's your first time. Now, after you start to get, oh, okay, I guess it's okay. But the first time, were you tripping? Like, I hope this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. Because you're immediately, you're immediately introduced to it. You could feel it. Like, like how I imagined it was like tree roots springing from where it's applied and it sprung all around my heart. And when it, you could feel it, you could feel the poison and it hits your heart. It just spreads throughout your body. Like you're just like sweating. You're starting to, is it hot? Yeah. You start to get hot. You start to feel like you need to throw up. I thought, Oh great. I just, killed myself you right. know initially that's what i thought which you know? will get rid of anxiety yeah yeah if you are fully fully dead uh, yeah <laughs> you're not gonna care about any material shit right yeah yeah okay. so it's it's kind of like a near-death experience i don't want to say it's a near-death experience to scare people but the fact that you're introducing this into your body it does kind of give you a moment of like oh shit like i am not holding the wheel I'm not in control. Yeah. Learning how to get comfortable without being in control. Because ultimately the truth is, whether you got frog poison or not, none of us are in control. Right? Mm-hmm. You don't know when you're going to die. You don't know how you're going to die. You might die because the shaman stayed up late the night before and cited, you know what, a little too much frog poison and whoop, sorry Alex. Or you might die at, uh, you know, Estevan Oreo's uh, art show that's here at the Orange County uh, Center for Contemporary Art, right off of 117 Sycamore. You could die here. You could get run over by a lowrider right outside. It would be a good ending. That would be a decent ending. A decent ending. If you caught it on video, (laughs) right? That could be like your guys' next art project. Like, how down are you? Are you going to allow yourself to get run over by a lowrider or not? No, no, no. Oh, I mean, okay, of course not. Of course not. But interesting. So how many times have you done it? Just once? The, The frog poison? Yeah. Um, I've done it at least five times. So, so you like that shit. Yeah. So when I was first, uh, I first got introduced to it a couple years ago. I did it because I needed answers. I, the last two times I did it was maybe a month ago because I needed answers. Each time I have given, I've been given answers or solutions. Wait, where does the answer come? Like in, in the process, just, when does it come or how does it come? It just happens. It was like the vape thing, right? Yeah. I, and that was one of my intentions was I'm strong enough to drop such a small uh, gesture as to putting that thing in my mouth, right? I just, yeah. I, I, I can't let something so rudimentary control me. So at a certain point, I just started not really caring for it. It actually, I'm not going to say it changed my psychology like, a, like an antidepressant. It just, sure. It actually changed the way that I saw the vaping. And I'm like, okay, if... If I can't mitigate my stress without this thing, then what am I doing? Do you know? Without the vape, without like an external thing to help me calm down. Sean? So I needed it. Sean is a guy who did a lot of ecstasy and LSD and understood the rudiments of good and evil. He saw them interplay at a rave back in the 90s. So Sean... (laughs) You're hearing this yeah. man say his deal, man. What what are you, what questions do you have? Or what's your reaction? Do, what what is the experience? Do you actually? Is there a alternate state of consciousness that you hit, or you are you? 
Are you seeing anything that isn't there? Are you like, where do you nope. go? What happens? You stay there. You stay there, and, and your, your best mind does what? Your best friend is a bucket that you're right. throwing up chunks in. Your mind is hoping that it's stopping. Your mind's hoping that it's stopping. It's trying to get control, um, but you don't go anywhere. You're there the entire time uh, with your own thoughts, with your own past. So, like, you know? what's different than like, what if I take like a shot glass full of Drano? And like, do the same thing. There are ancient practices behind this, and a lot of people believe that the the DNA that the frog has mm. has many beneficial things that humans need that we had at one point, um, but we don't integrate into our daily lives now. You know, they they are starting to find that there are peptides that it actually reinforces our immune systems. Mm. Um, I've talked to many people that have made that had like cancer, that had other things where they applied this stuff and actually felt alleviated from like certain chemos, uh, certain uh, ailments like arthritis. So why would you do something like this over like something like ayahuasca or something? They actually use this as a preparatory ritual before ayahuasca. Oh, so you would do this as a, as like the, the pregame. Yeah. For ayahuasca. Yeah. Have you done ayahuasca? I have not done ayahuasca actually. Have you done acid? I cannot confirm or deny. Wow. I can confirm that I did acid with this freak right here. Man. <laughs> we did a, a whole heavy scene on uh, some uh, sugar cubes. That's cool. And um, we got real weird, and we were listening to Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd. Remember that? Yes. And there was this giant field with all these trees and shadows that were moving. And I mean, we got really wiggy, bro. Yeah, it was really weird. I love that. The first time I dropped acid was in India. Oh, that's that's badass. I was in Goa. In uh I bought some acid off of some hippie freaks in India, right? Not even really thinking it through. Like, how do I know these? I'm, what is there? You know what I mean? Quality control, FDA out in India. Yeah. We took this acid, man. And, uh, and it was at night. We went out to the beach, right? And go. It's all white sand. And this was before it got all built up on bullshit. We were really tweaking, bro. Like, way. And like I went to the ocean, there was luminescence in the water, and we were in the water, and it's like glowing and floating shit. And then the waves would come in, and these, and it would the white like foam would start to spell words, and I would try to read it, and then it would go back out to sea before I could understand it. It's fucking heavy, man. What's the uh, w- what's the weirdest like trip you ever been on? Uh, th- that's you can't really quantify that, really. <laughs> well, I mean, just give us one. Just uh, give us one. Take imagine, us through. Imagine dropping in a Airbnb that is a Western town. The whole Airbnb is a Western town. Yep. Wow. And that sounds amazing. With a group of dudes, there we're all just tripping. It's a Western town. It's in Los Calientes. It's a little Western town that's on some guy's ranch. Right. Each one of the little houses, the saloon is a you know a place that you can go sleep. It's a trip. Drop acid there. <laughs> it was a trip. They have a little peacock reserve. 
Uh, and the peacocks make crazy like cat meow. Bro, I grew up next to peacocks and they're fucking annoying as shit. Yeah, but when you're tripping in a western town. Okay, oh, yeah. so so just give walk someone through like I mean, were you walking by like stools that were like breathing and pulsing? Oh yeah. Well, at one point it looked like a blizzard was coming through the western town. And uh, there was a point where one of the mock horses was winking at me. And one of the buddies came to me and it was like, he was like, he looked at me, he gave me a look, right? And he just turned around and walked the, the other way. That tripped me out. I looked at the horse, demented. <laughs> the horse became like, went from my friend to being just like this demon that was, oh was uh, did overlooking. You ever, did you ever, you're a younger man, but Alex, did you ever see a movie called Young Guns? No, no, no. I, Do you? There was a. There's. It's like Emilio Estevez. It's like you know, all those dudes, and it's a western, and they're with Lou Diamond Phillips, who they call Chavez, right? Chavez, you dirty Navajo, nerd. and they take peyote. Was it mescaline? No, it was peyote, bro. They take this peyote, right? And they all of them are these gunslingers, and they all trip for like in a full entire day. And there was like that one guy was like, "Hey chicken, hey dog, did you see the size of that chicken? Do you remember that, Kiefer Sutherland? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I could have watched that. It's so good. It's like one that. of the best movies, most quote, one of the most quotable, mm-hmm. but bestest. Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen before he went weird. Um, Kiefer Sutherland's in it. Who else is in that? I can't remember. God damn, you did too much acid. <laughs> yeah. But uh, all right, so now um, Alex, Alex the video man. Yes, brother. I don't know. We I feel like we should. I don't know. We got to give him a good moniker, like Alex the video man or Alex. Well, my, my poison frog. The toad. My man. last name is Zarth. Zarth Vader. Zarth Vader. Poison. Poison frog. Alex. There's Doctor Chronicle. Dr. Cron. Hey, what's happening? Yeah, long time no see. Lots of friends coming through. Let me ask you a question. So, uh, Esteban said that he goes, hey, ask about his dad. He's a real heavy dude. I mean, did he have a weight problem? Or? No, no. Oh. So, my dad was a bassist for a punk band called Lost Cause. Okay. And they used to, um, from what I understand, open up for quite a bit of like the all-time legends in punk. Uh, I was doing a job with Estevan, and we went to go interview Rick Clayton for uh, Stance. And Rick Clayton had just released a book on all of his, all of his suicidal tendency flyers. Nice. And uh, we talked about Lost Cause, and he was like, oh. And he like flipped through all the pages and found an original poster that he illustrated for suicidal tendencies, and my dad's band was was uh alex opening look over there it's not a hallucination that's my wife my daughter and my mother-in-law they're here hello this is alex (laughs) this is sean this is calico hi mother-in-law come here please please por favor yo quiero hablar con usted in uh, in in la programa come on please a little bit Sean, have what? Sean. You stay here, the poison frog, Alex. Sean, get her, get get my mother-in-law set up on this mic right here, please. <laughs> All right, um, Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds, welcome to the world of the Indian. We are now about to hear from my mother-in-law. 
Uh, she's going to become famous, muy famoso, in Guatemala, in North Korea. Can you hear me? Ah, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, and this gentleman is, is Alex. He's a very famous filmmaker. He works with Esteban Oriol. Very famous. That's my wife. She's very shy. And my little daughter, Tigra. Hi, baby. Hi, baby. Yeah. And, and mama, you can sit in that white chair if you want to. Thank you. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that, was a, that was a thank you that had full of, full of meaning and message. Uh, that's Big Pick Mike. He's our uh, professional conversationalist. Awesome, brother. Uh, okay. Uh, everybody, this is the woman of honor, right? Uh, Abwe to my daughter and my mother-in-law, Nanette. Nanette, say hello to the podcast world. Hi, everybody. Nice oh. to meet you. Hola. Hola. Hello. And uh, let me just first say that this is perfect for Mother's Day because uh, Abwe is one of the greatest mothers of all time. She's <laughs> a beautiful mother to my wife and a beautiful grandmother to my daughter. And uh, I am surrounded by estrogen and female energy all the time because I have a lot of rough edges. Isn't that true, uh, uh, Nanette? I, I don't put things back where they're supposed to go. Or <laughs> yeah, but we love you. <laughs> <laughs> and she's always trying to make salsa that's super hot for me, right? You're always making the salsa and you tell me that's the hot one. Try yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah. Always making different kind of salsas. Right. For Everybody, for him, for my daughters, for me. <laughs> different levels. Yeah, different flavors, different levels, different spices, different, because everybody likes different. Mm -hmm. You know, one like very spicy, she doesn't like spicy. Right. <laughs> homemade. Homemade. Oh, Everything's wow. totally homemade. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we got green and red going right now, right? Green, red, oh. yeah. Yeah. Sean, do you, have a, green. do you have a question? Do you have a question? Uh, I'm here. She is uh, la jefa de mi vida. She's in charge. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you so much. <laughs> I called my grandma today. Did you? This is my and best my friend. I've yes. known this guy. How long have I known you? 30 years? 30 yeah. years? Something like that. Yeah. 30 years. Oh, that's nice. I know, but um, this is online. My wife is already regulating, <laughs> already telling me. <laughs> Your daughter is so beautiful, man. Ah, uh, thank you so She's much. She's so sweet. So much. She fell asleep on the way here. Did she? She's so. She's cute. ready to go down. Yeah. She's ready to party. Ah, uh, hey, do you want to see if if TT will say something on the on the on the microphone? Titi. Or but you can slide it over. Titi. This is a hard luck show history. Calco, how are we doing? You're a friend of the show. You know the show. Is this is this is this exciting? Are people going to be interested to know? Hi, Megan. He doesn't have a mic. Titi, Popo, Popo, Cachu Popo. It's okay. She's very shy. She's not no, shy, she's actually. Waking up. She's waking up. Oh, yes, that's right. We're not trying to put stuff into her head. Um, uh, he's coming. Uh, so, uh, Nanette, right? Mm -hmm. What is the craziest thing that you see me do around the house? What is something crazy that I do? Crazy. <laughs> you, always, you are always happy. Is that true? Yeah. Always happy, always playing, and always. 
playing with the baby, especially, you know, he's, um, he's always playing horsey and running around. And when I'm in the house and in my bedroom, I go, oh my God, someone is screaming, <laughs> <laughs> yelling and all everywhere. But to me, that's very special. Uh, well, thank you very much. And um, my lovely wife is here. Uh, happy Mother's Day to you. Another great mother, a giant among ovaries. <laughs> happy Mother's Day. Right. Um, I've just been talking to uh, Poison Frog video man Alex, and he takes uh, from a shaman from the, the poison from the frog in South America. Oh, really? oh, the You know about this, Nina? Yes, and 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 do you think it's crazy that he does it? Oh yeah, I wouldn't go near a sapo. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, which sapo? Oh, porque there's two different kinds. There's el que se que se pone en el piel y el otro que se fuma. Talking about more just in general, that sapos are just nasty. Yeah, disgusting. Oh no no no, esa no esa no esa no that one. It's the green one. Rana, rana, yeah, rana. Yeah, she just wouldn't be near them. Yeah, yeah. So let alone put anything near. Yeah, nothing. He did it four times, five times. Uh, five times, yeah. Five he times. said that he it, the poison he could feel it go into him and and, okay. but he it's also spiritual. He gets uh, answers from like, you know, from the universe or from the internal spirit or whatever it is. So that's what he does. Okay. And, and it's not the it's not bufo. What is bufo? Bufo is uh, the excretion of that toad, and that's a toad that is found in Mexico. Yeah, and that's the one that they, uh, you know, irritate the toad. They remove it, and then they actually like, they smoke it, and right? Then, and from it, right? This one is the poison of a dart frog, right? Like, it's como Nanette. Yeah. He said that all of us can try it next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid of sapos. Uh, they say that there's a lot of health properties when it comes to that poison, uh, especially with like arthritis, with, with different um, cancers. I've heard that people that go through chemo uh, afterwards, they'll take the sapple to like remove the excess poison after the chemo's done what it's supposed to do. The rest of it's just bad for the body, but it'll actually make you get rid of it. But well, you see that look. You see that look on my mother-in-law's face right there. You see that? That's her polite. I hear what you're saying, but I'm not buying into any of it. Right? <laughs> she's okay. like, she does. She does that. I, I tell her stuff sometimes, and she looks at me. and She's like, "Mm-hmm, that sounds good for you, <laughs> not for me." I, I don't know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, if you guys want, you can walk around. And yeah, Esteban is inside or outside somewhere around if you want to, uh, or if Calco, if you wanna. Um, yeah, that's fine. I don't. Yeah, that's fine. We'll just walk around. Yeah, just walk around. But yep. please stop by before you leave because I want to say goodbye to you guys and give you guys of big course. hugs. Okay. Go ahead, baby. Muchos fa- Thank you. Nanette, thank you very much. Thank you for having me here. Yeah. Hey, right. Give a big shout out to uh, Julio Gomez, su hermano, no? He <laughs> listens down in Guatemala. Hey. Okay. Hey, Lissandro, more exercise, buddy. Let's joke it around. Let's go. Work out. That's right. Yeah. Tighten okay, it bye. up. <laughs> Dude, hey, Blue Eyes, when are we going to get uh, Dre on the no, show? Yeah. Ne- never. Never? All right. 
So, Alex, um, so going back to your um, your dad. So he did a lot of art. He interacted. He was in a band. He was a bassist, right? Lost Cause, you said. Mm -hmm. And that, um, well, let me ask you this, man. I mean, so did Estevan know your dad? No. But did you guys talk about it or whatever? Uh, Esteban was pushing me to actually make a documentary on my dad and that he would help me with it. But I just kind of felt like at the time I was kind of, you know, I was involved in my own things. You know, we were working on a few projects and I just had uh, other projects as well. And I didn't at the time it was just Esteban was trying to get it into my head like, hey, this is a thing. You should make this into a documentary. But I didn't really think of the tools necessary to actually make something like that happen. Did you have, I mean, and it wouldn't be anything that everyone else hasn't gone through, father-son relationship aspects where it was like, hey, you know, I'm trying to do my thing and I respect all of what he did, but I'm not trying to define my life by what he did. I mean, was there some of that? Yes and yes and no. Um, I think it's actually yes in, in other aspects because my dad, right now, he's um, very much a uh, he works full time, which you know we all should work full time. But he does machine work, and I've always been very much artist inclined. You know, I've always wanted to be photographer, videographer, cinematographer, director. You know, so very anti what my dad's always tried to drill into my head which, which is, is what uh stability and right you're taking because because frog shit and well i know get you like stabilized which steady which is bizarre because my dad you know he has this history that i have never been around since i've lived with my dad right i didn't even know he was in a punk band you know he, right he just you know he there's, so, there's a lot that my dad right now is 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 uh, not that he's still punk. I know he's punk. He's he's the most punk dad I know, but he's also tried to train me into being like okay, like figure it out, go to college, you know, do this, do that. Which is very anti-punk. It is. Come on. To some degree, punk it, is punk. To, and correct me if I'm wrong. To a certain extent, punk is. Um, you know, do it yourself, right? It's not about necessarily following a structured path by anyone else's whatever they want to tell you to do. And it's also about maybe, at least my experience of punk has been to cut out the middleman of experience. Like we're going right to it, yeah. right? We don't need any filters. We don't need to mind, like whatever. This is life, yeah. right? Yeah. So... So what I think you're saying you sound a little bit like Luke Skywalker a little bit, right? Where he's like looking at his dad and he's like, you know, and his dad's like, it's too late for me. And he's like, nah, I can still see goodness in you, father. And you're right. So you're saying I can still see punkness in you, dad. It's in there. And he's like, listen, that might be, but you need to get yourself under control and straightened out first. Is that the attitude? That is, that is the attitude because he made a family, you know, he was able to get out of being in that scene and make a family, you know, buy a house and all that, but he left it. I don't know. I never, I've played bass with him here and there growing up, but I never knew that side of my dad. And then one day I grabbed a record and I saw pictures of his punk band and he was there like all, you know, um, 
motorhead shirt, leather jacket, mohawk and everything. And it's just so anti of what I think of when I think of my dad. So I do find it interesting. And I do think that, you know, time is such a precious uh, a thing. Might as well, like, take some opportunities. Take what Stevon is trying to tell me because the, Stevon knows he... He's like a master historian in a sense too. Like he can see past, he's seen the past and he can see the future being where he is. And I just got to listen to Esteban and, and make the documentary on my but dad. I think he would love, my dad would probably love it too. He probably would like say, ah, don't, don't worry about that. Who needs, he would probably say something along the lines of like, why do you want to make a documentary on, on me? No, but. I actually do think that my dad might have some very, very interesting things to to add to that whole uh, piece of the puzzle that is like punk history, you know? Punk. What do you think most people don't understand about punk or punk history in America right now? Um, it, used, it used to be about anti-government, and I think now punk is a little bit more popularized. Like, it used to actually be the enemy of the government and now it's like oh let's figure out how we can make sales you know i remember when and, and listen before everyone goes nuts and kicks their fucking uh bluetooth headphones right now when i say this but i remember when in popular culture they were kind of trying to frame green day as punk and they're not really right they're a good rock band but they're not punk but people, I mean, Calco, you were nodding. I mean, Sean, do you remember that? They were trying, they were kind of referring to Green Day as punk, and I felt like that was maybe part of the beginning of this sort of defanging, declawing punk, or what people thought punk was, and basically taking the animal out of it, right? It's interesting that you say that because I, I understand it. I wasn't that aware of the whole uh, chronological order but yeah like that's what I think of now is there is no punk I think I've actually been seeing a lot more punk uprising lately right. from people that you know you never hear about yeah you know I'm starting to see that in Orange County like hundreds of people getting kicked out of a cul-de-sac because they decided to throw a random punk show it's starting to come up I don't know any of their names but uh, I could get those names it's interesting that this is also sort of you know, kind of made itself like a really good analogy for you and your father's relationship, right? There's this father you had that has been hidden from you, this piece of him that's been hidden from you that you didn't really understand for whatever reason, right? Defanged, de-animalized, declawed, which, you know, you're looking at what your dad wants to present to you now in, in, it's with good intention. He said, you know, in his mind, he's like, I got to lead this guy. He's my son. I don't want him to make mistakes or whatever he thinks. Right. But you're actually sounds to me a little bit kind of hungering for who's the real you, dad. Who's the artistic side of you? Do you think as you became an artist or as you evolved as an artist, do you think you picked up on that on some level and that partially informed your choices? Probably um, consciously and unconsciously, a little bit more unconsciously than anything, because um, I have an uncle that's a photographer, but even then I don't think that I would be as inclined to the artistry and the craftsmanship of the artistry if it weren't for my dad. 
Like the reason why I was able to hang with Estevan for as long as I have was because at that po- moment in time, Estevan was able to see that I had a form of master or had a f- attainment of my skill, right? Right. And that the fact that he even fucks with me yeah. meant that I was at a point that he could teach me more on top of what I've already learned. Um, and he's a hard guy to break through to you. I mean, there's a lot of people that want to work with him and do things and collaborate with him, right? But it's not like and he's he's a, he's a generous guy in that he has interns and people who he shares stuff with, but the vast majority of people who quote-unquote consider themselves artists aren't really going to be able to to pass some of the tests that he has laid out. Does that make does that sound accurate to you? Of course. It does sound accurate. It's Definitely accurate. <laughs> and when you walk around, first question I have asked for that: You were walking around. I had no idea who you were, right? I was calling you Santa Anna Jesus because you have long hair and uh, and a little bit of a beard there, and you have a a calm uh, spiritual face, a little bit crazy eyes. I had no idea you were doing the poison frog thing, but now it all makes sense. <laughs> totally fucking makes sense. It's all adding up. And but you were walking around looking at the photos. Mm-hmm. With your hands behind your back, clasped behind your back. And I've noticed that when looking at art, a lot of people do do that. Why is that the taking in art stance? I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was me taking in art. It was actually, I'm looking at a lot of his artwork and I'm like, oh, I remember this piece. Or, oh, I remember when Defer actually did the collaboration with him. Or, oh, I remember taking these, uh, you know, helping out that photo there was this collection here was in that exhibit at one point you know because I was I was helping and, and I also feel bad that I didn't help with this you know <laughs> that's my own personal problem right but let me ask you this when you when you look at these photos that you you are a part of right how does it make you feel to see them up and appreciated by people who probably will never get have connections into this world well, there, it's it's just like anything. Like, you know, Stevan was there. He took these photos. He was intimately there with those that he, uh, you know, he, he shared a space with these people. You know, and it's really nice that that I've had the opportunity to work in that space with him. You know, whether it's like working on exhibits like this, yeah, or actually going on shoots and and helping him out. Um, what was the craziest thing you've ever had to do on a shoot to help Estevan get the shot he wanted or the vibe or whatever it was? Mm. Uh, I was in Thailand. Uh, we were uh, we found this one shop that had a uh, I forget what year Impala it was, but it was a beautiful lowrider in Thailand and we're like hey let's take it out so I had to get the shot I was on the back of a moped uh, in the reverse position with the camera in one hand and grabbing by the other and we went down the street reverse cowboy reverse cowboy yeah on the moped exactly who was driving Uh, just one of the homies from Thailand yeah And, to get and, the right shot, and we were driving around. I think Esteban was in the in the lowrider, and uh, we we're just riding around. And I'm over there with the camera, just like on the back of the moped, you know, and 
filming. That was really fun, you know, because you never know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? I mean, it's um, not like I mean, I've been to Thailand, so it's not like they maintain the roads perfectly and all that other kind of stuff. And I've seen a million moped accidents, slides, gravel, you name it. Oh yeah. So as we kind of conclude here with the Alex, right? Um, in a word. Yeah, in a word. I want you to draw on all the energy and all the purity and unblocked channels of chi flowing through your veins right now. And I want, in a word, what is this exhibit? What is it bringing up for you? What is this for you? What is it for Estevan? What does it mean? Um, Pivotal. Wow. Alex, where can people go to see your work? What's your Instagram? Do they throw money at you? How does it work? I don't really have any of that set up. I have an Instagram, though. It's my name, A-L-E-X-Z-A-R-T-H, Alex Zarth. Zarth. Zartholomew. Zarth Vader. Zarth Vader. I own that. Zarthvader.com. I own that. He owns that, ladies and gentlemen, and he's very pleased. Look at how pleased he is. This is to make fun of myself a little bit. Sometimes. That's all right. Um, I anyway. appreciate it. You, you, awesome energy. You guys have been amazing. This is actually like the first time that I've done this. Yeah. So you did fantastic. You. Yeah. you guys held my hand. Very laid back. Thank Not, you. Excellent. You couldn't have done it without the frogs, though. I know that. You, you know. Next time, though, we're going to do a show at this Airbnb Western. We're all going to drop ass and get real weird. Oh. <laughs> Let me know. All right. Um, www.hardluckshow.com, hardluckshow.com, proto episodes, LA Crime mixtape, uh, also the Art of War audiobook, only the way that we can do it. Supermax hardware, vibes. Cookies. I mean, listen, what are you rolling your weed up with? If you ain't rolling it up with vibes, you're rolling it up with bullshit. I'm just saying that straight out. Pool pool beard oils. Right? Pulpo! Pulpo. Uh, Ovando Bowen LLP. We wear braids to court. Let, Let the, the tomahawks tomahawk fly. fly. The best legal representation money can buy. And also, Alder Law. Alder is a hardwood, and if you're going into court, you want Alder, Mike Alder. You want hardwood. You want hard- oh, do you ever want hardwood, ladies? I mean, uh, anyway. Uh, and Sean at movemental.media. Yeah, www.movemental.media for all your audio podcasting needs. And uh, like we do about, about this, this time, time, adios amigos. amigos. From the Hard Luck Show. From the Hard Luck Show.